What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. We are back to break down week four of Dana White's Contender Series, and it's not been going the hottest for your boy this season in comparison to how we were doing last season, but I'm still going to be coming back on a week-to-week basis, and if you choose to fade or follow, I appreciate you guys regardless, but I appreciate you guys checking out the content as always. As you guys can see, it's a little bit of a different setup than you're used to seeing. I thought it was time to shake things up a little bit and, you know, make it a little bit easier for myself to record these things. When I would record it normally, I'd have to break down the studio a little bit, put it back together, and then it was just beginning, uh, becoming a little bit tedious. So I thought I'd finally get it in a way that I can just turn on the camera, turn on the mic, and shoot. And that's exactly what we got going on here. Still figuring out a couple of the other things in terms of the lighting and what I want to put on that back wall. I still like that wallpaper the way it is but still want to change it up a little bit i'll speak on that a little bit more on the mma lawcast episode that i'm going to drop tomorrow for ufc paris and that is something that i want to quickly address as well in regards to the contender series i'm going to start dropping the podcast on monday because i'd like to get a good opportunity to look at the the, the weigh-ins and the stare downs because one thing i've kind of been messing up over the last couple of weeks is what these guys look like facing off with one another because you know the the the, the metrics and everything on tap Apology or UFC uh, stats aren't usually correct in terms of their height and the reach and all that. So it'd be nice to see these guys who are primarily competing on the regional scene, what they look like actually facing down with one another, who's actually the bigger fighter, and if the, I believe will, that will have any impact on the actual fight itself. So I want to watch the wins, and then I'll record the breakdowns, uh, finalize my written breakdowns on the Patreon page as well, and then I'll drop the podcast for you guys. Uh, and then in tune, uh, just to not jam-pack myself on Mondays, I'll be pushing the MMA Logcast on Tuesdays. So for the UFC event that's coming up that, that same week, you, you can look for the uh, the MMA Lawcast episodes to come out, like I said, on Tuesdays. And then the rest of the segments will come out as normal. I'm going to do the top three Lock of the Night and Dog of the Night segments. Both segments coming out on Wednesdays. Thursdays uh, will be the Lockheed Two-Step and Lockheed Trinity. And then Fridays is going to be the three best prop bets. So no breakdown on the Sundays anymore. I just want to give myself some time and look at the wins as well before I drop these breakdowns for you guys. Um uh, yeah, all right, that, that's pretty much it. Let's get right into this five-fight card that we got coming up for the Contender Series Week 4. First fight, we got Dylan Salvador going up against Bilagi Oki. Very intriguing fight here between two guys that primarily look to strike. Salvador is coming from a Muay Thai and kickboxing background, and you can see that on full display when he goes out there, pressures his opponents with this uh, combination striking style, and he's very nasty in the clinch when he can get his knees and his elbows going. He's improving a lot in his grappling aspect and that's one improvement i continue to see from you know seeing his fights two years ago to seeing his most recent fights he's more comfortable on the ground with taking his opponents back looking for submissions and even pulling off a von flu choke like he did in his last matchup he's very good in terms of pressuring his opponents wearing on his opponents and then putting his foot on the gas in the last uh, you know round round and a half or so to get these guys out of there his opponent Oki is a guy that's very strong uh very fast and has a lot of power and he looks Looks to kind of stalk his opponent methodically and then just waits for his opportunity to, to uh, 
shoot sniper-like uh, strikes down the pipe. Usually that's enough to break his opponents and then eventually hurt them and finish them. But I've only seen him fight one guy that doesn't seem defeated going into that cage. Uh, it was that 13-0 um, Armenian prospect that he fought two fights ago. And that was a guy that was willing to exchange in the pocket with him, marching him down and trading shots with him. We saw around the you know midway point of that fight later in that second round where both guys really start to slow down. And that's where you see the sloppiness in Oki's game start to show. Uh, you know, his speed is not as much of a factor. His power is not as much of a factor late in fights, which is where I think that Salvador is going to be able to run away with this fight. Early, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be hard for Salvador to deal with the power and uh, speed of Oki. But as long as he's able to survive that first round, I expect him to wear on Oki, start being the one to march him down, and then possibly find the finish late in this matchup. It's a tremendous fight from a striking aspect, but I expect Salvador to implement a little bit of a grappling aspect as well to wear on Oki so that he can reap the fruits of his labors labor later on in this fight and win this fight by finish. I'm going to say by knockout. So I'll go with Salvador to kick off this card. Next up, we got a heavyweight fight between tough alum Chandler Cole going up against former LFA title challenger Thomas Peterson. We'll start off on the Chandler side, which I don't really understand why he continues to get these opportunities. I'm sure the guy's a great guy. He has a little bit of a following on social media, but you know he didn't really earn the opportunity to get on the Ultimate Fighter, in my opinion, and he didn't really earn the opportunity to fight on the Contender Series, considering he his last two opponents that he defeated had a combined record of 13 and 28. These guys didn't deserve to be in the cage with him, but it might have to do with the fact of lack of a legitimate competition on the regional scene, especially in the heavyweight division that these guys have to compete against. Against. But Cole went out there and did what he does. He likes to utilize a wrestle-heavy approach, but he also has some decent power in his hands. He's just a little slow at times, and he always makes just the heavyweight limit, even though he seems a little bit undersized for the division. His opponent this weekend, Thomas Peterson, comes from a wrestling background, coming out of the state of Minnesota, and he does a great job of in terms of implementing that wrestling style and hurting his opponents from that top position. His only loss on his record came when he was a minus 200 favorite against... Waldo Cortez Acosta, who just picked up a big win in the UFC. That was a fight where Peterson had great success through two and a half rounds until he started to gas out. And that's where we saw Cortez Acosta start to put his punches together, swarm Peterson, and then eventually get the finish. He was winning 90% of that fight before he got finished. And that's kind of his style. He likes to swarm his opponents on the mat, utilize great ground and pound, posture up at the perfect opportunity, and throwing down big shots. He puts his opponents out cold with his ground and pound. He doesn't just look to get it. TKO and that's why I love his game in this matchup against Cole he's a massive favorite he's a minus 500 favorite going into this fight and I think that's kind of accurate although it's hard to trust low-level heavyweights at this point in time or at this stage of their career one little slip-up could end the fight for, with them especially with a guy who has the power of Chandler Cole I believe Cole is going to be a little bit too slow, though, to implement any type of striking or power advantage that he might have in the striking realm. And I figured that this fight is going to get into the grappling pretty quickly, where I fully expect Peterson to have the advantage. He should be able to be a step ahead in terms of the scrambles. And then I expect him to get a dominant position where he can start raining down big blows and get the finish. Obviously, I'd like to target the over-under here, but at one and a half, I think this might actually reach, you know, that late second round, early third round mark, as it might take a little bit to break down Cole before he's willing to give up that position for Peterson to get the finish. So I'm still going to go with Peterson, want nothing to do with the minus 500 in this spot, so I'm just going to pick Peterson and pass on this fight as a whole. Next up, we got Timothy Kwamba going up against Mateo Vogel. 
a fellow Canadian. We'll start off on the Kwamba side, uh, who's 6-1 as a professional MMA fighter. His only loss coming when he kept going after desperation takedowns against his opponent. I believe his opponent's name was Ivan Tena. And Tena was able to continuously threaten with the guillotine, eventually take the back of Kwamba and find the finish. But since that point, Kwamba has really refined his game. And it went from being a desperation takedown kind of fighter to trusting his striking and trying to put combinations together. He trains with Dewey Cooper or Black Cobra striking system. A lot of people will recognize him as being the, you know, the the guy with the dreads, always in the corner of a lot of the extreme couture guys or guys training out of Las Vegas. He works a lot with the Basharat brothers. Um, but that that's really about it. We don't really see Kwamba training often with the extreme coutures or the syndicate MMAs. He seems to be fully committed to the uh, Black Cobra uh, fighting style. Um, he comes from a wrestling background, so obviously he needs the kickboxing experience of Dewey Cooper to try to refine the rest of his game. And we've been seeing him improve his ability to blend his striking behind his wrestling and vice versa for him to go out there and get his wins. The, he, the fight that he took after his... Um, after so he took his loss then he took a fight and that was a very boring fight he just you know pretty much grapple fucked his opponent the entire time and um even the only comment on the youtube video for that fight says this guy was boring as hell this is not fighting you know the guy was just hugging him for 15 minutes blah 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 and it almost seems like timothy read that comment because in his next fight he got the perfect stylistic opponent let's give him that first that a guy that was willing that he could have gone out there really not felt threatened against him so he can let go with the strikes and show off his improvements. And that's exactly what he did that evening. He was able to really hurt his opponent and have tremendous success in terms of uh, you know hurting that guy uh, repeatedly and then eventually finishing him in the second round. But that guy was a tomato can let's be honest uh his following fight he showcased good striking then was able to get the fight into the grappling realm where he was able to dominate from on top but this young fighter i think he's 23 at this point in time maybe even 22 has yet to face true adversity other than that fight that he lost in you know he's going out there and squashing these guys that really don't deserve to be in the cage with him he has tremendous potential his wrestling is pretty solid although i'll say that i have a little bit of an issue with his ability to control opponents and his striking is improving his opponent this week in Mateo Volga is a fighter that I'm very familiar with as he trains out of Ottawa, which is about three and a half hours from Toronto. But he's been facing a lot of higher level opponents, uh, you know, from the Canadian regional scene. He's currently a Battlefield Fight League uh, featherweight champion that he's defended twice at this point in time. Uh, but he's faced a lot of recognizable names for a lot of hardcore fans. <laughs> Uh, Xavier Aloui, Siri City, who is a standout prospect and possibly one of the best prospects on the Eastern Canadian side, uh, who's also fighting on the contender series later on this season, uh, defeated him, uh, defeated Garrett Armfield, who just picked up a big victory on this past weekend of the UFC. And then he lost to DeMond Blackshear, but that was a very close fight. That was 1-1 going into the third round. But Vogel, he's a very strong um, uh, jiu-jitsu player wizard with his jujitsu he does not mind falling to his back if he needs to to eventually pull off a submission or pull off a reversal to get to the dominant position required to get a finish he's very aggressive with his jujitsu which is why he's so dangerous so even though kwamba might have an advantage in terms of pure wrestling i think that vogel can do a good enough job of it mixing it up in the clinch realm in the grappling realm and eventually getting this fight to the ground where he can have pure success uh, vogel has faced tremendous amount of adversity in the regional scene but he's always bounced back 
back and always found a way to win even on those fights where he's getting busted and bruised up pretty badly in his title winning effort for the bfl he was started off kind of rough and then pulled off the victory by decision that night his fight against garrett armfield he's getting touched up on the feet eventually pulled off a submission in the second round and got his hand raised kwamba hasn't really faced much adversity and he's going up against a guy that's very battle tested which is why i like vogel in the spot to go out there put the pressure put the you know grappling and clinching on kwamba and i fully expect this fight to eventually hit the ground where i expect vogel to get the finish at minus 160 i like that line here for vogel anything more than that i feel like it might be a little bit too wide but we have to give uh vogel or so kwamba a little bit more respect in that line uh but i still like vogel here um hopefully he can get this fight into the clinch from kwamba will likely have the speed and striking and power advantage on the feet but vogel's durability has looked good enough that he should be able to take a couple shots eventually get this fight into the clinch from and that's where he can pull off his submission by dragging this fight to the ground pulling guard whatever he needs to i expect him to get his jujitsu going and get that submission victory and hopefully earn a ufc contract and add another canadian to the ufc roster Co-main event time. This is a banger in the middleweight division between Yusri Belgari going up against Marco Tulio Silva. I think they're just going by Marco Tulio. Very fun fight here between two strikers. We'll start off on the Belgari side. Um, it's like a French name, but he's Belgian, I think it is. Or he's, uh, he's Dutch. Sorry, he's Dutch. Um, he's on a two-fight winning streak, but he's those last two fights that he won were against guys with losing records uh he was able to finish both of them obviously he's a very long lanky striker that likes to use head kicks and uh, decent combinations but he seems to have a little bit of a gas tank issue and it seems like his uh, grappling still needs a lot of work as well i don't really understand why he's getting this opportunity on the contender series but it is what it is you know maybe there's something the matchmakers see that i'm currently not seeing uh he was brought in to to share mma to actually help alex Pereira uh train and get ready for israel adesanya at ufc 281 um you know he he, he seems good having that kind of frame and size to kind of emulate israel but he doesn't have the style nor the 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 fight iq of a guy like adesanya to provide Pereira the exact type of uh training partner that he needed to get prepared for a guy like adesanya uh but B belgari like i said uh striker long rangy uh has decent stinging power but i'm very uh, i'm not really impressed with his level of competition on the regional scene before making his uh a debut here on the contender series his opponent tulio silva trains out of the same training camp as charles Oliveira. this guy's very fun to watch and i honestly i personally came across him uh earlier this year when i was studying him up for the his last fight for lfa uh he's very dangerous in the striking realm and he does a great job in terms of stalking his opponents and putting his big power on them and eventually finishing them something that i've been seeing over his last couple of fights also is his improvements in the grappling realm He's done a great job in terms of taking his opponents to the ground, getting dominant position, and raining down big shots. He's still working on controlling his opponents and trying to prolong the period in time he has these guys on the ground, but I like the improvements that I've been seeing and the progress that he's been making in his game. I love that he's also uh, you know, very methodical with the striking, likes to crash the pocket, do good damage from that uh, you know the you know entering and exiting that pocket exchange while doing great work with his knees elbows and punches down the middle and obviously his kicking game as well i feel that his level of competition on the regional scene is far better than what we saw uh, his opponent face uh, on the regional scene as well so i'm gonna lean with the tulio silva side and i don't really understand why he's the underdog right now you know i saw him around plus 105 plus 110 and i think that this is a great opportunity for him to go out there and pull off the upset as the 
the underdog. You know, uh, Belgaria, I think, has a slight height and slight reach advantage, but I don't think it's something that he does a great job in terms of maintaining and making his opponents pay when they do close that distance. Especially a guy like Tulio, who I believe believes in his own striking and believes that he has the advantage in that realm. So I fully expect him to close that distance, get off his big shots, and get this fight over with. I'm expecting this within the first 10 minutes or so that we see Tulio Silva land a knockout and get him out of there. Uh, so give me Tulio Silva by knockout. And the main event, we got a great fight here between Carlos Prachez going up against Mitch Ramirez. Now, Prachez is the biggest favorite on the card that we have here, around minus 225. Uh, and he comes from a Muay Thai background, if you couldn't tell from the Muay Thai tattoo that's uh, across his chest. But he has a lot of good experience on the regional scene as well. He went 2-1 and one under the 1FC banner, and it wasn't even like the regular 1FC. It was like their one fight nights that they were doing during the whole COVID pandemic. Um, but, you know, he's faced some really good competition. He's on a six-fight winning streak. He's finished his last five opponents. And the last fight that he actually lost was against a Dagestani wrestler who was able to grapple him throughout two and a half rounds. Although Carlos was coming on strong in the last half of that round, uh, of the final round, it was too little too late for him to get off much success to get his hand raised that night. But he's doing a good job in terms of improving his takedown defense, his uh, footwork around the cage, and kind of angling off whenever guys are trying to shoot for takedowns. And then he makes them pay with straight shots down the pipe and a great kicking game as well. He's kind of lanky from this division as well too, which allows him to really touch his opponent up, opponents up for distance, uh, do some body work, and then eventually find the knockout up top. His opponent Mitch Ramirez comes from a wrestling background, is and actually the and is actually the significant other of UFC fighter Cynthia Calvillo. This guy's been to prison before, and that's something that I seem uh, that I see as being pushed a lot whenever he ends up fighting. But one thing that he kept talking about is when I was in prison, I wanted to be a professional fighter. I made a decision to be a professional fighter, and here he is with an undefeated seven and zero record, getting the biggest opportunity of his career. But I got to be honest, I'm not the most impressed with his ability to wrestle and hold his opponents down. Yes, he's good at taking guys down, but he doesn't really do a great job in terms of holding them down either. Um, you know, he's beating up guys that are lower level than him. And then even in his last matchup against Jeremy Holloway, we saw him getting kind of tagged up from distance because he likes that wide winging style of striking before he eventually changes levels and gets fights to the ground. Luckily, he was inputting a great kicking game that was hurting his opponent and eventually was able to get him out of there in the third round after he landed a perfect uh, calf kick that floored Jeremy Holloway that night. But I feel like a fighter like Carlos Prachez should be able to uh, obviously nullify the calf kicking him, being the Muay Thai practitioner that he is, but also traverse the cage well enough that he can kind of, uh, you know, snipe him from distance, really hurt Mitch Ramirez from distance, and make him pay for those sloppy uh, strikes that he throws. And even if he tries to duck under and tries to go for a, a takedown, I feel like a knee can come right up the middle and really hurt Ramirez in those spots. Ramirez might have a little bit of success early in this matchup with some takedowns, but I expect Prochez to be working back to his feet, and then that's going to get it harder and harder for Ramirez to get this fight to the ground, and he'll be a sitting duck on the feet against the guy who is a far more experienced striker and a far more dangerous striker in Carlos Prochez. So I get the wide line on Prochez. It's not going to look like that early, but as this fight starts to go late, that's where I fully expect Prochez to start pulling away and eventually find the knockout. The over-under set at one and a half. I would prefer the chalk on the fight doesn't go to decision because I can see this being a little bit of a slow burn until Prochez is able to get him out of there late. But I still like Prochez to win this fight. I think he wins it by knockout, and I think he earns a UFC contract. 
All right, that's a wrap on the Contender Series. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the breakdowns. Make sure you guys drop a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you're looking to do tape studying on these fighters yourselves and you have no idea where to find footage on them, I got you covered on the MMA Fight Archive. Seven-day free trial. Check out the link in the description below. We've surpassed the 50 subscriber mark. We're over 2,000 fighter profiles at this time, adding new ones every single day. So if you're looking to research on the upcoming CFFC cards, the upcoming Contender Series cards, LFA, anything, all those big regional scene uh, promotions, we got you guys covered on the Fight Archive. Find out why the top analysts, top commentators, uh, top handicappers, uh, and coaches are all signing up for this service. Uh, you can find out yourself seven-day free trial link in the description below check it out yourself and drop your own predictions your breakdowns and your analysis because you have every single fight or as many fights as i could possibly find from all corners of the web available for you all on one page so you know exactly what to expect from these fighters when they step foot in the cage all right appreciate every single one of you guys and i'll see you guys tomorrow for my ufc paris breakdown good luck on the fights this week folks and i'll see you tomorrow peace